directed to two different groups was coming from love. The love for the lost was coming from compassion. But the love for the religious was coming from a real conviction where he needed to shake the hard uh, kind of condition of their hearts because they were so prideful thinking that they were ticking all the right boxes. But he basically said, your outside looks really clean and polished, but the reality is your inside is absolutely toxic. And he said that, you know, you think you're on track, but you're actually just as lost, if not even more lost. And he was really shaking the ground underneath them spiritually. So you need to wake up and realize uh, this is not what it's all about. It's not about religion, but it's about true relationship with God, coming to the things of God and enjoying the reality of God. The third last that we looked at was Jesus' last emotion before the cross. And that is when he came into the city of Jerusalem, uh, he absolutely wept for the people. He had such a move of emotion within him, which reveals his heart for people, reveals the fact that he loves so many people. And I think that how we can appropriate that is as busy as we are, we need to make sure we stay connected to the the reality of how God thinks about you, but also about other people around you. And that we also, also should weep for the lost. We should have a compassion for people. Where we see people who are broken and hurting, we need to make sure that we do have compassion. And we don't ignore that. So that was our review of part one. All make sense? Good. All right, let's have a look at part two. We're going to start with this uh, next slide, and I'll get the notes here in front of me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this second part. We thank you, Lord, for the anointing on your word this morning. Lord, let your word flow. Let hearts be open and to receive in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So last week, we began this series, and... uh, We talked about quite a few things, but today I want to look at part two, and I want to raise this question, how would your life be different if you knew today you only had 30 days to live? How would your life be different if you knew today you only had 30 days to live? And so I've called this part Turning Points, uh, because I think when, when we put more emphasis on the fact that life isn't just endless, there is a full stop. The Bible says that, uh, you know, there will be a a time where your physical life will end and then you go into eternity. But if you understand or if you were to think about if you only had 30 days to live, how would that change your life? And we're going to look at today three turning points, three particular turning points that I think is powerful. So let's have a look at this first scripture. We're going to look in Psalm 39 verses 45. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn there or your electronic Bibles. Let's read this together. One two, three. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Keep going. Wow. So it's basically saying wisdom, understanding that your life could end at a moment's notice. Now, I don't want to get really somber here and depressed, but there is actually some wisdom here to not have that thought of, well, you know, life, I've, I've got at least, you know, 40 years in front of me, 50 years in front of me. Uh, of course, we're believing for that. That's great. But the reality check is if you live life like you've always got a full tank of petrol and your time's not running out, that's actually not wisdom. Because we know that if you're driving a car, it's so funny because... <laughs> I'm preaching to myself right now because uh, uh, my tank is almost empty uh, coming here, and so I'm going to have to fuel up to get home. But can I tell you, spiritually, if you, if you uh, drive your life like that, 
thinking that life is always, and you're not keeping a check on the fuel tank. And I'm not just talking about your strength, but also your time. You know, understanding as time passes, time uh, is a fleeting thing and life is a very precious thing. And it's, this is why weddings, funerals, all of those types of milestones can be very powerful because it helps us to hit the reset button, take a check on what am I actually doing and what are my priorities? And I think this is what the Bible is encouraging us to do every now and then, is to have a reality check around how precious, precious life is. Um, the last part of this scripture says, my entire lifetime is just a moment to you, God. At best, each of us is just but a breath. And so remember, God is outside time. In fact, God invented time. God is eternal. He was before time. He's after time. He's the very beginning. He's the very end of everything. And you and I can connect to that God. If you and I can connect to that God, isn't it clear that when we hang out with Him, He's going to impress on us what the priority should be within the breath of our life? Come on now. And if we're off track or on track, He's going to say, hey, uh, you know what? We need to fine-tune here. We need to tweak here. And so I want to encourage you. Uh, that God is into impressing upon you, reprioritizing things because He wants to make your life count. Your life could end at a moment's notice. I shared last Sunday. I even shared last night. We did an altar call. We had about 30 people respond last night at the evangelism event. It was fantastic. Such a powerful atmosphere last night. People were dancing. They were like let loose in the beautiful presence of God. It was just a, such a great time of celebration. I went home last night after dancing for like two hours in a row going, man, I feel more flexible than I did. It was, it was pretty cool. It was like, I think we talked about, it was like spiritual Zumba, right? <laughs> Leroy, Roy? It's like, woo, yeah, cool. Spiritual Zumba. <laughs> it was like not only, you know, getting fitter, but like the anointing was just like pouring on you layer upon layer. It was so cool. Anyway, let's live in the moment. Last night was last night. We're here today. Okay. <laughs> uh, but... My, my point, I think I can remember my point. What was my point? Someone tell me. Does anyone remember? Was anyone listening? Sorry, Cass. Thank you. Reprioritizing. Thank you, sister. All right. Uh, and so, yeah, what I shared about last Sunday, that's right. What I shared about last Sunday and last night when we did the altar call. Uh, most of you know, but my dad passed uh, just under two years ago. Lights out in a moment, aneurysm. And that was a really interesting thing for me to reflect on. Obviously, I had to grieve and go through the normal processes. But to actually take a, just a, a, a stopping point and say, you know what? Man, it can just like that. In one moment, you can go from here into eternity. And what's this all about? What's really important? And, uh, you know, what's really critical? And I think sometimes the challenging part is this is that it's about the balance because the same God who would want us to, you know, look at life as a, such a precious thing that can go like this, He's also the same God that would cheer you on with your goals and your dreams and pursue things. So He doesn't want us to live like hermits and go, oh, my life's, you know, probably going to be over soon. No, that's not what He wants you to do. He wants you to go for your dreams. He wants you to um, invest into your family. He wants you to invest into your children. He wants you to raise up the next generation. He wants you to invest into your marriage. He wants you to have marketplace goals and business goals or career goals. He wants you to have a purpose in the marketplace and be an influence for Christ out there. He wants you to have an opportunity to, to, to be a part of the body of Christ and minister and, and know your giftings and callings and find your place. He wants you to be a part of community, to receive from community, give into community. He wants you to flourish 
flourish. He wants you to have a great life right here and flowing with the power of the Holy Spirit and being on point with the cause of Christ. But at the same time, He also, to keep you on track, He wants to make sure that you remember that life is very precious and your time is very precious and you've got to make it count. And therefore, sometimes, you know, advertising can be very powerful. Facebook and ads on Facebook and the, the movies and Hollywood and, and so much of the messaging out there is trying to convince us about what the priorities of life really are. That it's, it's so important about our image. It's so important about all the things that we have that will show the world how successful we are or how, you know, we're a certain identity. But the reality is, is some of those things can be nice. You can have nice things. But I think God always wants to bring us back into His presence, into His Word, and say, you know what? I believe so much in you, and I love you so much, but your time is so precious that I want to have a check-in with you, and I want to help you, and I want to mentor you, and I want to guide you, and I want to shepherd you to say, you know what? Maybe, just maybe, in this season, you've gone a little bit off track. Maybe, just maybe, you put too much priority on something, and you need to bring a little bit of a pendulum swing back this way, because if you don't make the change, this little, little bit of off track now, if you continue to go off that way, you're going to get a long way off track. I need you to bring you right to that place where you're in the center of my will. You're in the center of my plan. You're in the center of my purpose. Have fun. Go for goals. Go for dreams. But keep coming back to the reality that you need to plug into me because I'm the author and the finisher of your life. And I want to keep you in the right place at the right time so that you flourish. And I feel like God is encouraging us a fresh way. First Sunday of June to say, hey, no matter what you're doing, keep going for your dreams. Keep pursuing. Keep going after things. But you know what? There are a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of people out there that are doing a lot, a lot, a lot of things, but they're sacrificing some significant things that they shouldn't be sacrificing. Family's one. You know, Sarah and I talk about this all the time because we, we, love, we love ministry, we love business, we love being goal-orientated, we love being dream-focused, but can I tell you, nothing is worth sacrificing your family for. Nothing is, wor- is worth sacrificing your integrity for, your reputation for. And I want to I say this to you, because when you see, you know, you, when your dad goes like that, it just, it's like, what are we doing this all for? And so everyone just breathe in. Just hold it for a moment. Now release. Okay? I think God wants us to have moments like that where we just... Just take a moment and go, okay, what's this all for? And then as we breathe out, it's like, okay, let's get back on track. Who's with me? Let's have a look at this uh, next scripture. I'm not going to ask you to read that because it's a longer one. It's a bit small in writing. So I'm going to read it out loud for you. In James 4, 13, 17, look here. You who say, today or tomorrow we are going to, certain, to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We'll do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own plans and all such boasting is evil. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Interesting. Again, quite a check in scripture. But I think what this is talking about is balance. Everyone say balance. It's not saying don't have dreams. It's not saying don't have goals. It's not saying don't have plans. Because I think sometimes we need to be more planned and prepared than we are. Right? Sometimes we worship spontaneity. Right? Where we should actually understand that the God that we worship is a God of order, structure, planning, preparation. 
He had a whole blueprint of the world, and then he spoke it into being. I mean, God is an architect. He is a, a master creator. He's a master planner. So we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater here. Planning, preparation, having goals, dreams, vision, all of that's important. But sometimes what happens is we start to fixate on that so much that we, we don't actually invite God into the conversation enough. And so it all becomes about our plan and our goals, and we start to run off, and we start to sometimes boast about it, or so fixate our focus on it, that we forget to check in with God and have signpost moments with God that's important. And this is what it's saying here. It's saying, well, you know what? The reality is, is rather operating with it's just goal focus, we need to have a, a balance here, and we should say, more like, if the Lord wants us to, we will live this, we'll do this. So, God, I'm going to check in with you. This is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm believing. Thank you, Leroy. Yeah, I don't want to trip, do I? I'll tie that up in a moment. Thank you, sir. See, he's looking after me. Let's give him a round of applause. He's like, brother, you, you should like, yeah, that wouldn't be a good look, right? And so, the check-in here is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this, we'll do that. You know, uh, Again, we don't get super spiritual on this. We don't say, God, do you want me to have a bottle of water this morning before I go to work? That's weird. That's weird. But a significant decision. We have to be prayerful. If we're in, if we're in a partnership in a marriage, we, you know, husband and wife should both get a piece about something. Husband should run off and do something without checking with the wife. Should be praying together. We've got to make sure we've got a spiritual blueprint on our key decisions and that we're inviting God in. Because the reality is, is God is a part of our life. And therefore, God is a part of the decision-making process and the plans and purposes. So we all get this. All right. Uh, turn to the person next to you and say, uh, I'm getting something out of this so far. All right. It's all about the segue. Where's, uh, where's Sophia and Spring? You guys there? We had segues. Fun. We were, these guys did an amazing performance last night at the event and uh you know when you've got a team who are you know we had our forever house worship team uh do worship and then they exited and these guys came on and we were talking about the transition you know these guys are setting up technically making everything's right and so i was emceeing last night and it's all about the segue right it's all about you know filling the moment and uh so right we just filled the moment there with tying my shoelace amen it's all about the segue all right (laughs) and so These words of James lay down a great foundation that we will work from today. We're going to look at God's word and then we're going to react. We're going to turn. We're going to make some turning points. Is that cool? All right. The three turning points. Everyone say three turning points. The three turning points. The three turning points. Number one, turn when into now. Turn when into now. Too many of us sometimes are wishing our lives away. When such, and such, when such and such happens, then I'll do. When I get to this point, I'll be happy. When I get a good job, I'll finally tithe. <clears throat> when I get a nice home, I'll host a church small group. When my job gets under control, I'll spend time with the kids. When the kids get out of the house, we'll work on our marriage. When this happens, then this will happen. Can I say this? The when-then principle, it rarely happens. Meaning, when you focus on that, that actually is not how life works. Uh, You can't be someone who's just thinking about a concept. You've got to be someone who's actioning things. 
And God wants to encourage us. Life is too short to be just thinking about when I'm going to do stuff when it's the right timing. We're going to look at when and then, and we're going to change that to when into now. Now, let's balance this, okay? Uh, don't take this and be silly with this. So it's like if you've just met someone, it's not like, well, when I know this person better, then I might potentially marry them. But let's turn that into now. Okay? Don't be weird with this, all right? Don't use this little, well, Pastor Brad said. No, okay? Let's apply wisdom with this. But we get what we're saying here, all right? I don't know what your when then is, but today is the day to ask God to turn then into now. Why? Because life is brief. Now, let me ask you, well, this is a, a question to myself. The question I, when I was putting this message together, where did it go, was my question. Uh, just yesterday, I was 20 years of age. It was like, felt like, you know, I gave my life to Jesus when I was 20, just before my 21st birthday. Uh, and on Tuesday, I turned 40. Woo! Yeah, baby. <laughs> and it's going to be a special day because my baby girl, Savannah, turns one on the same day. She was born on my birthday. It'd be fun. But my question is, where did it go? Right now, some of you I know are in your 60s going, seriously, Brad, get over yourself. 40s, like, young. I'm not sitting out here thinking 40s old, but 20 years feels like it's gone like that. And when I talk to people who are more seasoned than me, it's like even the next 20 years will probably go quicker. And uh, I think if you're in your 20s, can I say this to you? It's going to go quick. <laughs> so enjoy it <laughs> while your tone body is toned. <laughs> Not that it's an excuse because I probably could have a tone of body that I do right now, but you get my gist. <laughs> all starts to hang out <laughs> when you're least expected well actually no if you eat too much of McDonald's probably you should expect it amen uh, so life is brief it's fleeting and we've got to start turning the thens into nows so it's about I mean we hear this cliche all the time but you know living life at the moment it's a bit uh, you know it's all over Facebook blah 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 but uh I've shared this before in different sermons, but it's so relevant today, I want to share it again, is I remember one of my first roles in the marketplace after leaving uni, uh, and it was a great role, it was working for a global education company, and I was in sales and marketing, and it was the, the place I was working where, I, where I, Sarah and I got engaged, and so I was working there while we got engaged, and I remember once we got engaged, so Amy and, and Matt, this is a hint for you, tip for you, right? I go to work, but I wasn't there because I, I had my Excel spreadsheet on all the wedding plans that we had to put together, <laughs> and I'm, I don't, you know, and I'm thinking about all of this stuff that we have to do. And my colleagues could pick up that I just wasn't really there, right? And so I had this uh, great person. Her name was Belinda, and she was a uh, much older than me. She was in her early 60s, and I was only in my 20s. And she came up to me and she pulled me into this uh, office and she said, "Hey, I want to have a chat with you." And I said, "Yeah." She said, "You know, I think this is a really exciting season for you." getting married and all of that, it's great. She said, but I've got some advice for you. I said, yeah, what is it? And I thought she was going to talk to me about marriage or whatever it was. She said, wherever you are, be there. Wherever you are, be there. And I said, what? I am here. <laughs> she said, you are physically, but you're not mentally here. 
you're not, you're not really present. You're not focused. You're not on point. You're not on purpose today. You're kind of all chaotic and confused, and you're like running around like a chicken with his head cut off. She said, and that's not you. That's not your potential. Wherever you are, be there. She said, one thing I've learned in life is that we're so thinking about what the next thing is or we're so trying to juggle that we're missing out on the opportunity just being in the moment. And, uh, you know, I think that more so than ever when it comes to family time, I mean, I'm preaching to myself here, but tablets, iPhones, you know, media, all the little, I mean, we can walk into any room of a house now and have a, a form of media that we can escape into. And the opportunity, therefore, is to not have good quality time and be in the moment with your kids, with your family. Uh, and even when you're at work, you know, being present. Uh, when you're at university, being present. Uh, when you're in the family unit, being present. Uh, when you're in the presence of God, when you're in the house of God, being present, being in the moment, uh, I think is a critical thing. And uh, let me say this, don't be thousands of miles away focusing and working on something else in your mind. Be in the moment. And I think that when you spend time with God in His Word and in His presence, He teaches us that. You know, be still in the presence of the Lord. Uh, wait on God. Wait on God. Wait in His presence, and He, he will uh, absolutely fill you afresh. But wait, this sense of patience, slowing down. You know, there's a book called Slow Down to Speed Up. And I believe in this principle more and more than ever before do I believe in this principle. Sometimes the way to actually accelerate fruitfulness in your life is to learn to slow down. Because when you slow down, you take more in, you have more quality thinking, more quality interaction. You have more quality moments in life that bring that sense of joy, that bring that sense of being on point and in purpose, that bring a sense of quality rather than just quantity. And it actually helps you to, to accelerate fruitfulness in your life. And I think that's a big part of what, the, as we look at the Word, it's encouraging us to do. So start life living in the moment because it will be gone soon. Let's have a look at this scripture here. Turn when into now. Psalm 118.24. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Not be glad thinking about it. Not be glad remembering it. Reflecting back on it. No, being glad in it. In the day. In the moment, while we're having that day, this is the, door, the, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let's, let's rephrase this. This is the moment in time of your life that God has made. This is the fraction of the breath of your life that God has you in right now. And we should rejoice and be glad in it. In that moment. I think sometimes we're, we have these these abilities to be in the moment stolen from us because of the spirit of fear. And I think it's because our thinking is so preoccupied with what we don't have, where we should already be, what we haven't achieved, what we've got to get done by the end of the week, that we'll miss out if we don't get all these things done, that we'll miss out if we don't get this together, that we'll you know, the fear of missing out, I think, is one of the greatest fears in Western world, even Christian Christian lives that I think we need to break off our life. Most advertising agencies will use the psychology of fear to try to target you and to try to cause you to make an emotional decision to buy. Do you know that? And the greatest emotion they'll use is the fear of missing out. Now, don't get me wrong. I actually teach people on how to sell and advertising and, and that kind of thing, but I ask them to do it with integrity and ethics. That's why I love what I do. 
because I think there's a lot of a lack of integrity out there in how people sell and market. But the fear of missing out, I think the fear of missing out on is a, is a big fear that runs through our thoughts and it prevents us from being in the moment. It prevents us from really living quality life. I had uh, Zara just the other day. I was on my phone and she said, Daddy, um, I'm going to ask you something. And I said, yes, honey, what? I thought she was going to ask me for a snack because Zara's really good on negotiating, negotiating on snacks. She loves snacks. She said, I want to ask you something. I said, yes, darling, what would you like? She said, I'd like you to turn your phone off. I went, oh. She said, because I've actually asked you a couple of times. This is my four-year-old turning five in December. I've already asked you a couple of times to play with me, and it's like you haven't heard me. Did you hear me, Daddy? So, oh, sorry, honey, when did you ask? I just asked you, like, just, just before, and then before that. And I went, honey, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't hear you. And I said, look, I'm going to turn my phone off, and let's have some playtime. And she's like, oh, that's so good, Daddy. And then we had some playtime. And I think that's the heartbeat of not just children, but even human beings, is we want community, we want connection. But even if you're at work and you're doing a, your task focused, we still need to be in the moment working together as a team, listening to each other. It's so important. And I think, can I, can, I, can I say this to you? I think part of the reason why we have such an issue with mental health in the Western world is because we've all forgotten how to be in the moment. And we spend more, most of our life thinking about what we don't have or why our life isn't as good compared to the person or why it's not as, it doesn't match up to what the advertising says success and happiness should be. We're living in this state of reflection and comparison and we're missing out on the beautiful moments right in front of us. Because I think somehow we've been sold this false, untruthful message that life actually, the blissfulness of life actually isn't in front of you in the moment. That joy isn't really when you see your child doing something new for the first time. That joy isn't really when you, when you see your wife uh, laughing at something because you made a bad joke. Or joy isn't really when you see something about your co-worker and they're feeling frustrated and you, you go to encourage them and seeing their reaction. No, that's not what it's all. It's all actually about just achieving stuff and, and, and buying stuff and having all of these symbols of success that will make you look like you're a great pretender of success, but in the inside you're actually lonely and you're hurting and you're broken and you actually need God. And sometimes we have God, but we still need God to remind us that the beauty of life is actually in the moment right in front of you. The strength of the Lord, or the joy of the Lord is your strength. And what the joy of the Lord is, God is actually giving us a practical key here. This is the day the Lord has made. He has given you moments of the breath of your life. And He's given you opportunity to experience joy because of the, the reality of life in front of you. And we will rejoice and be glad in it. Meaning that your life will be more joyful if you learn to get out of that space in your head which is constantly worried about what you don't have or where you're not at and actually take on board the moment that presents itself right in front of you on a platter that God says soak up every single second of this opportunity.
And sometimes we're not talking about every moment is joyful. There may be a challenge in front of you. There may be a problem in front of you. But God's saying, you know what? I want you to look at this moment and know I'm standing right here beside you in this moment. And I'm here to partner with you to help you to break through. And the taste of victory on the other side of that breakthrough is also going to give you joy. It's also going to give you joy. And you know what? This is not just about a message, but this is about an attitude. What I'm expressing here is something that we have to birth into our headspace and into our heart. And we have to allow the Word of God and the Spirit of God to help this to penetrate into our heartbeat and to create a culture of an attitude of how we walk life with Christ. Because I'm telling you, one of the biggest enemies to your joy as a man or woman of God, even if you know Christ already, is the fear of missing out, train track in your thoughts that the advertising and marketing people are constantly trying to get you to live in to think that you need to accumulate something to make yourself feel better on the inside. So let's live in the here and now. Let's have a look at this next scripture. Do not boast about tomorrow. For you do not know what a day may bring forth. Proverbs 27.1. So again, it's, you know, in the marketplace, I hear, I posted something recently on my marketplace profile. For those people who don't know, uh, on Facebook, I have two profiles. I have my Brad and Sarah Power one, our ministry one, Sarah and I have. And then I have my Bradford Power one. And that's because um, when it comes to me influencing people in the marketplace, there are, there are strategies and ways that I let people know that I'm a Christian, that I'm a pastor. But can I tell you that uh, on that profile, I don't go out and deliberately talk about my Christianity because I have to get into organizations and I have to get into boardrooms where I can really influence under the radar and then through relationship, I can witness to people. But I'm just going to be upfront with you and tell you that if I blurted all about my Christianity on my profile, my marketplace profile, I'm not going to get invited to some of those businesses where actually the Spirit of Christ needs to come in and penetrate. And so sometimes we need to wise up, church, that in our religiosity, we think that we have to declare everything about God on Facebook. Now, can I tell this? If you're into that, that's great. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm not criticizing you for that. I'm just letting you know personally, I do all of that on my Brad and Sarah Power one. Right? But when it comes to my Bradford Power One, God has told me, do not do that. I've actually had a business who found out that I was a Christian who actually closed down a six-figure contract because they found out that I was a Christian. And can I tell you, I said to God, you know what, that's okay because I honored you and they asked me if I was a Christian and I said I was. So that was a form of persecution. But I'm just letting you know, I'm just kind of dwelling on this point because I want to educate us in wisdom. I think sometimes we're a little bit religious right? I know the first time I went into my job after I became a Christian, I was too zealous without wisdom. First day I I had my tea break and I went, I'm a Christian and I want to preach the word of God to you. You know what? You have sinned. You need to come to Christ. (laughs) Full of zeal. On fire. (sighs) On fire with full of desire. Right? And uh, those people looked at me like I was a nut bar. For the rest of my tenure there, which was quite short. And I had no ability to influence because I led first with what I know rather than how I care. People want to know first how much you care before they know how much you know. And I know a lot about the solutions because I know Christ, but I need to let people know that I first care about them. So when I go into the marketplace, I let them know that I care about their problem and their solution. I'm here to serve them. I'm their trusted advisor. I'm not here to first and foremost preach Christ to them. I'm here to come and to serve their situation, their problem, 
And then through that, they open their hearts, they open their minds. They allow me into their inner circle. They see the fruit of my life. They get to know about my wife, my children. They get to know about my character, what I, how I respond when they make a suggestion of a type of a bar that we should go to. Oh, I'm sorry, I just don't do that. That's not my thing. Oh, why is that? That's because uh, I'm a Christian and I'm a follower of Christ and, and that's just not what I do. That's, you know, that's not a choice that I make. I don't think it's fruitful. It's just like, oh. But that response that I get is a, a far more effective because they love me, they trust me, they know that I'm for them and therefore they buy into what I have to say. This is not part of my message, but for some reason the Holy Spirit's just pulling that out of me today. I don't know why, all right? So maybe that was for someone here. But I just wanted to let you know that because... Um, I have this market po- marketplace profile and I fly under the radar at times as part of my strategy and I don't advertise on billboards that I'm a Christian when it comes to my clients. Uh, it's interesting because I watch and I observe. Uh, I'm in different entrepreneurial and business networks and I get to meet a lot of people who are doing very well. But can I tell you that there's lots of people out there that are doing really, really well. Uh, you sit down and talk with them and you start asking questions, and they're going on and on and on and on and on and on. I'm going to turn here and on and on and on about, yeah, I'm going to write this book, and then I'm going to do this, and then I've got this campaign launching, and then I'm going to go into this nation, and then I'm going to do this, and then we're going to you know, raise up a team, and then I'm doing this, and then I'm doing that, and then I can't wait for that because then I'm going to get this award. And I want this network of people. Now, don't get me wrong. It's all about we've got to get our profile out there and do things, but when it comes to entrepreneurs, sometimes these people... It's just so narcissistic. It is so narcissistic. It is just all about them and what they're doing. And it's, 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 just, it's just toxic and it's just ugly. And uh, my point here is this, is that they, they, they fixate and focus and they boast about all the things they're going to do. But you know what? The more and more you hang out with them, the more you get a reality check of what's really going on in their life. And these are some of the most loneliest some of the most uh, broken people I've ever seen. But the facade is so shiny, so polished. I want to encourage you. Don't put your identity on your achievement. Does God want you to achieve and do well in life? Does he want you to be successful? Does he want you to have a sense of purpose? Yes. But never center your identity on what you achieve. Because actually what you're truly doing is you're centering your identity on the applause of men. And that will always lead you down to a place of isolation and loneliness because the applause of men will never satisfy the God-shaped hole on the inside of you. So do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth in Proverbs 27.1. We still, we still okay? Awesome. So the first turn, turning point is to turn our when into now, being in the moment. Next turn, let's have a look at this next turn. The next turning point is to turn intentions into actions. Everyone say intentions, and everyone say actions. If you're like most people, you have some seriously good intentions in your heart. But like most, you probably haven't gone around to doing them yet. Let's have a look at James 4.17, this next scripture. It says, anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. Everyone say, ouch. I love the book of James. There's lots of ouch moments in James. He really just pokes you with the word of God, does James. And anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it sins. You know, uh, if you've ever been to London, uh, 
underneath the streets of London, there's this metro. People get on the metro. It's the underlying train system. Some people call it the tube. And when the doors open for you, you get to hear a very distinct British lady's voice. It says, mind the gap. Ladies and gentlemen, please, mind the gap. And uh, there's a different kind of gap in all of our lives. And the gap is between our intentions and our actions. Everyone say gap. And so I want you to think about what good intentions has God given you that have gone undone. Maybe they've gone undone because of the first point. Maybe they've gone undone because uh, instead of our thinking about, well, instead of thinking about our now, we're thinking about our when. And we're writing for the right we're writing for the right timing to do something. But I think there's a gap between intentions and actions. And I think God, a lot of times, when we look at the first principle of turning your when into now, He wants us to fill that gap. He wants us to act on things that He's asking us to do and not write for the perfect timing of it. So what good intentions has God given you that have gone undone? Have you had an intention, for example, to reach out to someone who doesn't know Christ? but you haven't acted upon it? Have you had an intention to express your love for someone, but haven't acted upon it? Have you, uh, acted, have you asked someone to encourage someone, but haven't acted upon it? Uh, have you got someone, or have you wanted to say thank you to someone who made a difference in your life, but haven't acted upon it? Have you had a business idea that you've wanted to start, but haven't acted upon it? Do you have gifts that you would like to serve at Forever House, but haven't acted upon it? Do you have someone who you need to apologize to? Maybe you need to apologize to your spouse, but you haven't acted upon it quickly enough. Maybe you have to forgive someone, but you haven't acted upon it. You have intention, but there's a gap between your intention and your action. Well, I want to encourage you. I believe God is saying the heartbeat of part of this message is it's time to close the gap because life is brief. I've shared with you quite emotionally at times, probably because I was still in the middle of processing it, how I was so thankful that when I was in the moment at a barbecue celebrating my brother's birthday, and I was in tune with at least allowing the Spirit of God to speak to me, I was with my family, and I was in the moment, I felt very much in, in present. I could see things, discern things. It wasn't all about me and who I was frustrated with and who I wanted to hang out with, but it was it was a special time, and I remember distinctly the Holy Spirit said, I want you to go over to your dad, and I want you to talk to him, because he doesn't have much long to, to, to be around. And it was April, and he passed in August. And I went over to my dad, and I sat down with him, and we spent about 30 minutes to 45 minutes, one-on-one, -on -one, looking into his eyes and talking to him about how much I loved him, how proud I was of him. And it was an incredible moment where I left that thinking, you know what? I covered ground that I had intended to cover for years, and I was able to do it in a 45-minute one-on-one engagement. I was so in the moment, and can I tell you, I'm so thankful that I made my when and now on that day. Because between April and August, I had crazy things. I was overseas a lot, and I had no, uh, there was no uh, warning that Dad was going to go. It was lights out for him. But I knew that that moment in April was the Holy Spirit knew that, he was beyond time, and he knew that I would have probably been deeply broken and hurt, and it would have been harder for me to get over if I hadn't had that real intentional moment with my dad. 
I want to encourage you that life is so fleeting sometimes, but so precious that you've got to understand that God sometimes, beyond your goal, beyond your dream, He wants to say, you know what? You need to put more priority on bridging the gap between your intention and your action. Between your intention and your action. It's time to close the gap. You know, I've spoken to a lot of people who've told me stories of times where, uh, you know, they've they've spent time with people in the hospital room and the hospital, people in the hospital room have got regret or, you know, their dad wished they spent more time with their family, a daughter who wished she told her mom that she loved her. I remember getting in a taxi in West End once and you know how taxi drivers like to talk? Have you noticed that? Well, this taxi driver was one of those taxi drivers and he was talking about life. And it was kind of, I don't know what it was, but it was like he was kind of nearly preaching to me. Just sitting back, just listening. He said, you look like a young whippersnapper. He goes, I'm driving taxis and I'm driving an age when I didn't think I'd still be driving taxis. So let me share some advice with you. And I said, yeah, sure, go ahead. He said, I'm a man who's driving this taxi, taking you to a destination. He said, but I'm a man living in regret. He said, I've got so many regrets. I've got so many things that I wanted to do, but I kind of kept putting them off. And he said, the strongest emotion that I feel in the latter stages of my life is regret. I actually ended up encouraging him and I prayed for him. This is about seven or eight years ago. I don't know where he is now. Uh, But he shared just so passionately, openly around how he, he was a man who had such a strong sense of regret because he didn't make life count when he needed to. And I want to encourage you. I think God wants you to avoid that. Because he's given you this life, he wants you to make it count. And so it's time to turn intention into action. Let's have a look at this another scripture. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 27 to 28. Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it is in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, come back later. I'll give it tomorrow when you now have it with you. You have things to give. You have words of life. You have encouragement. You have love. You have kindness. You have observation where you've observed where people are doing well, where you have, you have an ability to observe where people are struggling. And so don't let intention sit in the land of intention. Make sure you're a person who's in the moment who acts because life is too short. Live like you've got 30 days to live. Do it now, today, before the sun goes down, before your next meal, before you think about it, before the devil or your fears can talk you out of it. Do it now. Turn when into now, turn intentions into actions. Let's look at this third turning point. You still with me? Awesome. I'm going to ask the, uh, some of the musos or the instrumentalists just to come as we come to a close. Turn my whole heart to Jesus is the third turning point I want to talk about. I want to get really quite deliberate and intentional on this one. Is that okay? Awesome. I think too many people turn just a portion. Everyone say portion. Turn a portion of their heart towards Jesus. Who here goes to the doctor and gets a flu shot before winter? Okay, a couple of you. I know some people don't like flu shots. There's a lot of conspiracy around that or controversy around that and different facts and figures around that. That's cool. Uh, But we're just going to go with the analogy. I'm not advocating flu shots and I'm not criticizing. Is that cool? All right. 
but let's just go with it. So uh, when you go to a doctor or if you go to a doctor to get a flu shot, you actually, he or she, they actually give you a little bit of the flu. So the, the theory is, or the science supposedly behind it, is to make you resistant to the whole virus where your antibodies get created. That's the strategy. But you know, I believe that's just what many Christians do. Where they just have just enough of Jesus to make us resistant to actually the real thing. Think about it. I'm being really deliberate and intentional here. I'm going to get really pointed in love, but think about it. The doctor gives you just a small amount of it so that you can actually resist the whole thing. And I actually think there are Christians walking this earth where they have just enough of Jesus, but it actually makes them resistant to the real thing. The whole thing of God. The fullness that God has for them. They become resistant to it because they've only really positioned their life just to take a small portion of it. A little bit of church, a little bit of prayer, little bit of giving, a little bit of good deeds, a little bit of worship, a little bit of a Jesus fish sticker on the back of my car, a little bit of an Easter, a little bit of a what would Jesus do bracelet on my hand. Things get rough, so I'll have a little bit of prayer. But did you know that when you do that, you actually fool yourself? Paul said, we have a form of godliness, but deny the power. In 2 Timothy 3, 4. Looks like the real deal, but there's no power. There are Christians who are lacking the power of God in their life. They're not accessing the power of God. Mark 12, 34 says, When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. You saw this man answered wisely? And his response was, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Honestly, I think that's the most dangerous place to be in the world. Do you know why? Because you're just close enough to think that you have it. You're just far enough away to miss it. Having the form but missing the power. There is so much frustration in Christians because they have little bits of Jesus. But they're not plugged into the power that helps them to be victorious. They're missing the strength of God on the inside to make them persevere. To help them to get through the struggle, not to live in the struggle. And I'm so passionate about this because, can I tell you, I was so broken when I came to Christ. That I knew that I couldn't just have a little bit of Jesus. I needed all of Jesus. And to get all of Jesus, I had to give Him my whole heart. And I have to continue to give Him my whole heart. Can I tell you, that's not always easy. And I'm not perfect. 
And there's months and seasons where I have to keep aligning, have to keep checking in. That's why this is a thing called repent, where we keep have, we have to just keep turning. We always get a little bit off track. We have to keep turning back to God. This is why we've got to come to church. This is why we've got to get into the Word. This is why we've got to be in community of faith. This is why you're not designed to walk by yourself in community with Jesus, but you walk to, to, you're, you're designed to walk with, with a fellowship of believers. Iron sharpens iron. We've got to encourage. There's going to be days when you're going to be the encourager, and there's going to be days when you're the one who needs to be encouraged. But I'll say this to you. Don't just have a little bit of Jesus. Because actually in the long term, you're just going to get frustrated. Because you're going to hear about all these amazing promises of Jesus. But you're not going to have the power that will release you into those promises. And so I want you to get ready because we're going to believe for an impartation this morning as we finish. Is there anyone here who's hungry for the power of God? Oh, come on. Is there anyone here who's hungry? That's good. Having the form but missing the power. I'll never forget a powerful moment I had at a youth and young adults camp when I was only a Christian for about 18 months. And I was seeking God's power in my life. And I was at the youth camp meeting with about 100 people. And I was down the front during the prayer time. And my hands were raised, crying out to God for more. And the preacher came up and he laid hands on my head and he said this, Brad, you don't just want a dab. I remember it clearly. Brad, you don't just want a dab of God's power. And when I got up off the floor, the room was nearly empty. What does a dab mean? It means a small amount of something. And he was right. I didn't want just a dab of God. I didn't want to just get close to the kingdom of God. I wanted to get into the kingdom of God 100%. I wanted to give my whole heart to Jesus. And I want to continue and encourage you to keep giving your whole heart to Jesus. And so when you start living like you've only got 30 days to live, that's what you know you need to do. You're going to dive right into the deep end, not just put your toe in the in a little bit of the water, but really get immersed. I want to say when you've got only 30 days to live, or if you even look at life that way, you would seek God more passionately. You would serve Him with more heart, with more zeal. And so let's turn our when into now. Let's have a look at these last three points as we come to a close. Let's summarize. Thank you, team. You got the AV there. The summary, the last slide at the very end. To turn our when into now. We're going to turn our intentions into actions. We're going to turn our whole heart to God. Maybe we don't have it. That's okay. I want us to stand this morning. Can I ask the uh, team just to move this? I'm going to ask all of the music team to come up. You can come as quickly as you can. That would be great. Because we're going to finish with some ministry. I'm going to ask us to intentionally lift the tenacity of the music. Still instrumental, but I want you to meet like the flavor of, of this last point. That it's not just a dab. 
It's just not a little bit. We're going to have a time to minister this morning. But I believe that God wants to do something here strategically. And I believe that He actually wants to say to you, it's not just a dab of His power, but it's a full immersion into His power. And I believe God wants to impart His power this morning. But I want to say this. The impartation will not be received if you do not want it. Let me make this clear. God is not a God that actually uh, puts Himself into your life until you actually want it. And this is not just for the first time. This is continually. If you've been a Christian for 25 years and yet you're not really hungry for God, guess what? You're not going to get more of Him. You have to be hungry for God if you really want to receive His power. And so I want to encourage you that you have to get your head and your heart in a place where you're not looking at this as just something that I'm saying we should do. You should want to respond. Because I believe this, the first Sunday of winter, I've been believing this for my own family, for my own marriage, for my own plans and goals, for this church, but also for our whole community. And I want it. I am hungry for a fresh touch of the power of God. But I can't make you hungry. I can persuade you. I can motivate you. But only you can intrinsically be motivated yourself. And so I want to share this with you. It's not my responsibility to make you hungry as your pastor. It's your responsibility to be hungry. And so if you need to stir something on the inside, if you need to let yourself know, you know what, enough is enough. If I only had 30 days to live, I would be more hungry because I want to make sure that my maker is on the inside of me like a powerful engine room, releasing power and wisdom and anointing in my life so I can live a life of victory, so I can be on purpose, I can be on point, I can be intentional, I can be deliberate, I can live life to the fullest right to the very end. And I want to say this morning that God is releasing a faith and a power and a supercharged anointing this morning to say, you know what? It doesn't matter what's been going on. It doesn't matter what kind of things are happening to you. That God wants you to know that He's with you. He's for you. But you cannot live a life a part of Jesus. You're going to live a life completely, 100%, wholeheartedly sold out for Jesus. And so if that's you, I want you to come to the front with no hesitation. I want you to run out to the front with a sense of hunger and desire this morning. If you want more of God, come. Come to the altar today. Respond to the Word of God. Keep going. Just position yourself to receive from God this morning. So what we're going to do is just going to worship a little bit. I'm going to ask Chloe to worship. Just lead us in some worship. And then we're going to do some ministry time. So let's focus on God. Thank you, Chloe.
All right. This is what I feel to do. The three points were turning points. I believe God is turning something like an engine room in our spirit. But I hear God say this. This is not about how you feel. This is not about an atmosphere of faith. This is about an impartation. So I want you to, to know this. God actually imparts His Spirit and He imparts His anointing. And so in a moment, I'm going to ask Pastors Thomas and Sandy. I'm going to ask uh, Pastor Barbara. I'm also going to ask any of our other leaders, Henry, Silla, Leroy and Roy. I'm going to ask you in a moment to work with me. And we're going to lay hands on every single person at this altar. We're just going to go around and we're going to impart, right? But this is it. I think sometimes... We have such beautiful emotion in the things of God, but today is not about an emotion. We don't have to have uh, a Hillsong concert for you to feel the anointing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I think sometimes we do that. You don't have to have 50,000 goosebumps over your skin to receive an impartation. Let's make this moment count. Don't think, how do I feel and therefore am I getting something? That's not how God works. You, by faith, you say, God, I have responded to your word this morning. I've come to the front. And this is a season where I need not just a dab of your power and strength, but I need to be totally immersed with your power and your strength. Because God, I'm called to give my heart wholeheartedly to you. And I'm going to run forward. And from here onwards, we're going to see an acceleration in your life. We're going to see you to be able to run. I hear God saying that He's recharging the batteries. But for some of you, He's literally taking some batteries out and He's going to put some brand new supernatural spiritual batteries in because some of you have been running on drive for too long. And God's saying enough is enough. You're going to give your heart wholeheartedly to me. So this is what I'm going to first do. Take your hand right now. Raise it up in the air. Put it on your chest, on your heart. Repeat after me. Jesus, today I declare I give my heart 100%. To you, I am for you, I am with you, I will follow you wholeheartedly all the days of my life. I don't just want a dab, I don't just want a dab, I don't just want a dab. I want all your power, I want all your strength in Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship some more. Now, you know what? God's just told me what He's doing is He's actually, uh, He's laying layers here. And this is why we're kind of going back and forth. God's doing something new. I hear God saying, you need to do something that's a little bit different this morning. And I hear God saying that prophetically, that's going to say to you, God is doing something new in your life. 
And it's kind of like, uh, it's like he's a mechanic right now spiritually, and he's pulling some things out to position to bring an impartation. I'm going to ask Thomas and Sandy and Pastor Bob, Henry and Silla Leroy Roy, some of our other leaders, youth, our, jo- our, our Josh, our youth leader, uh, any of our other leaders, I want you to now start laying hands on people and just lay your, your hand on their head and, and say, God, we're imparting your strength and your power 100% today in a fresh way. Go ahead and start doing that. Cassie, go ahead. And as you're having someone lay their hands on your head, the Bible says as we lay hands, the anointing gets imparted. But I'm hearing God say this, that He is wanting you to know that there's been some things that have been holding people back and He's breaking those things off. And as you walk out of this building today, God is going to shift you out of confusion and you're going to see a lot clearer and you're going to feel a lot more confident and you're going to feel a lot lighter. Because God says, I'm breaking the backbone of the plans of the enemy that have been trying to torment and harass you. And God says, I'm releasing a new sense of freedom as you worship. So let's continue to worship. All right, this is what we're going to do. We're going to continue to pray for people. But I have a specific thing. As we're coming to a close of ministry time, I heard God say this. There are some people here and you felt like you've been locked in. You've been locked in, as in it's like hemmed in, just kind of trapped. And, 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 it's, and it's been like a suffocating feeling spiritually. If that's you, I want you to come right to the front here. That's you come right to the front. Don't be ashamed by it because God wants to bring a release. Come right to the front for me because I want to lay hands on you. Father, as we lay hands on these ones, make sure you're standing right at the front so I can lay hands on you. Father, for these ones here, Lord, that have been feeling locked in, hemmed in, trapped, suffocated spiritually, Lord, whatever it's been. Lord, we thank you, Father, for a release of your power, Lord, today. Lord, that you're going to set them free. Father, right now, set them free, God. Lord, bring that breakthrough. Bring that breakthrough, God. 
Bring that breakthrough right now. Let your anointing do its work. Bring that breakthrough, clarity, clarity, clarity. Breaking through, vision, focus, running forward. No longer tied back, no longer held back. Father, release it right now. Release it right now. Father, release it right now. Release it, release it. That breaker anointing, the breakthrough, Father. Lord, no longer locked in. Lord, shackles, chains falling right now. Bring clarity of mind, breaking confusion. Clarity of mind right now, breaking confusion. Lord, release them into freedom. Release them right now. Release them, release them, release them, release them, release them, release them right now. Release them right now. Freedom, 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 freedom. Lord, a shift, a shift to the atmosphere. Lord, bring them into freedom right now in Jesus, in Jesus.